everyone. Welcome back to Rebuilding with Missy and Crimson. This is Missy. And this is Crimson. And we are here to talk about the shit show that is the 2021 General Assembly. This thing we had was not just bad. It was a shit show. Yes. Thank God it is over. (laughs) And before we even start, I want to thank all of the Democratic representatives that had to endure the shit show of a lifetime, not only fearing COVID, but fearing insurrectionists and domestic terrorists and fearing their fellow Republican cohort to wouldn't wear masks and yeah. basically took a shit on the Commonwealth for the last couple of months. So thank you, representatives. We we hope to get you there and we help power getting you there. And then you got there and got shot on. So we appreciate you. We hope to get more out there um, in 2022 because I don't know how I really don't like I consider myself a diplomatic person. I believe in having multiple parties. I believe in the dialogue. I believe in all of that stuff, but I have no idea how the democratic representatives sat in the same room as these boil dripping beef fart sniffing bubble butt it was just it was fucked up you know uh just to kind of go back a year last year's uh last year's session was cut short because of covid which the republicans also fought uh so this year we were expecting them to get some like hard shit done early and instead they just piddled around for like the first three weeks of session Mm -hmm. didn't do anything talked about stupid fucking can't talk to a police officer in a naughty tone bills yeah, uh, and then just like shoved through a shit show of stuff at the last minute. Yeah, they're kind of mirroring um, what we see, what we saw at the federal level under the Trump administration of just like those late night sessions where nobody has visibility or access to what is going on. Although they were super productive, so some numbers. Being the nerd, I will, I will yes. go through them. Um, <laughs> so they had. Over 430 floor votes, which this was a short session. That's like record breaking. I don't know if that's true, actually, but I'm going to say it is because I'm pretty confident it was close to record breaking, if not record breaking. Because if you average that out, that's over 14 votes a day that they were in the session. So well, if you're wrong, a Republican won't say anything because they're horrible at stats. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like they do math, yeah. um, nor do they care. They got their way. They don't give a fuck. They'll move on. Right. Bigger than um, donation money. Yeah, but last night, so we're recording this on a day. Tuesday um, the 30th. Thank you, Missy, for keeping me in in tune with the world since I'm in pandemic world and I don't know. Um, But last night, I think it was like over 60 bills that got voted on in one day. Um, So just from a, you know, again, nerdy political science point of view, I find it hilarious because the Republican Party of the Obama years, um, we can't have long bills. We need to read every word of them. I mean, even didn't they, they required every word of the um, COVID relief bill to be read on the floor at the federal level. But yet at the state level, they passed on average, they were voting on 14 bills a day. Now, they are a part-time legislator. There's not an expectation that they work full-time. They make shit money. And by shit money, I mean like shit money. But the theory is, is that you're part-time. And 
I think any representative would say it's not part time because you're always having to work for your next election. You're always having to do. But the actual passing of policy is definitely a part time gig. And so it's not like, you know, over the summer they were they had a Google Drive where they were like reading bills together and working together like this shit was thrown together in a couple months and they went over 434 floor votes. That is mind blowing. No human can get through that amount of reading and understanding and research to make these bills. No. Well, well, half the time they don't even know what they're really voting on. Uh, There was a Republican that, that voted no on the wrong bill by accident. (laughs) And they had to pass that rule that uh, each side only had 10 minutes to debate each bill uh, rather than allowing people to give their true feelings and opinions on stuff. Right. Which is so anti-democratic. I mean, we're, yes, we're a democracy, but we're a representative democracy. And what that means is we elect representatives to represent us and go pass bills like Part of that representing requires talking to constituents. And if you're voting on 14 bills a day without constituents having any idea of what they are, and COVID makes it more complicated being that we can't be in Frankfurt to even be engaged in the process, like nobody knows what the fuck just happened. I mean, we should have gotten a guest on the show. Maybe this would have been a great time pulling Rachel again, but the poor woman deserves a break. I'm not a bugger. Yeah. Um, but like at the end of the day, like my guess is Rachel will pro- representative Roberts, I should say representative Sorry. Colonel Rachel motherfucking Roberts. Right. <laughs> she earned that title and she deserves it. Um, <laughs> but even with her work ethic and her determination to do this right, especially as like a new representative, I guarantee you that it was a 24 hour a day job for the last few months and under the pressure of COVID and everything else that everybody in the Commonwealth is feeling. And it's just horrible that the Republicans decided that they're going to put party first and not people first. And that is what's so freaking depressing about it. So let's talk about the horrible shit they did to the Commonwealth. And I got to be honest, the list is so long. We've narrowed it down to our favorite bad shit. (laughs) <laughs> these are yeah. our favorite turd nuggets out of the 400 some bills they voted on 400 some of them are horrible uh the yes. one that i'm glad that they actually i don't even think they took it to a vote was senate bill 211 the one that got all the national attention yes uh that would make a person guilty of a crime if they accost insult taunt or challenge a law enforcement officer with offensive or derisive words are you trying to hurt my feelings because if so you are succeeding Fortunately, my feelings regenerate at twice the speed of a normal man's. I, I, I love a challenge of law enforcement. It's ridiculous that police cannot take this, uh, that they can't handle this kind of stress in their job when a bartender deals with it every fucking night. <laughs> exactly. Like we're expecting more from a bartender making a few bucks an hour than police officers. Nobody screws with me. Well, maybe you'll meet the right girl and all that'll change. If someone said to me, this is what police need, I would say, oh, my God, do not give these people a gun or anything else. They're such snowflakes that they could be triggered by anything, right? I've heard police work is dangerous. It is. That's why I carry a big gun. Aren't you afraid it might go off accidentally? I used to have that problem. What did you do about it? 
I just think about baseball. So here in Kentucky, for people that don't know, we had a, a, a law proposed called Brianna's Law, named after Brianna Taylor, who was murdered by police um, in Louisville. And still nobody has been held accountable, nor do I think they will be. Yep. Um, but we had a law that was basically saying we need to protect people from police. And the way that the Republican legislator took that is, is we need to protect police from people. Yeah. Because the police are really scared of people. So I don't know if that was like their way of like being good people and admitting that because police are so afraid of being challenged that they just shoot motherfuckers all the time. Or it's just like from a yep. very rational, practical, logical standpoint, if you strip away emotions, what I read this bill to be is police officers are too insecure and too delicate to be challenged. So if you challenge them, we have to put you in jail and you're stuck there for two days. We detain you for two days, which I could rape someone and not be detained for two days, like, and be home that night. So it's just like, there's such delicate flowers that we must handle them with care. You gotta be careful with them, man. You know, you say the wrong word to them. They might be forced to shoot you or just beat you with a baton. It's also super offensive that the reason that people are mad at them is because they have not been able to do their job correctly and they have refused to fix any sort of their training programs or anything that could allow them to do their job in a way that is less harmful to the general public. Um, So people are mad at them for a poor performance. Yeah. Like it's not just like the bartender who's getting shit because someone's randomly drunk and that's who they're taking it out on. Yeah. You know, like they've done a shitty fucking job and they're getting called out for it and they don't want to hear about it. Right. And, and, and there is no, I mean, until we establish it, let's say we did want to build like this and we were an like, you know, like back in early two thousands when we like tried bipartisanship and stuff. And like, we like collaborated, like there are ways to protect both sides of the equation, but this is just saying cops can't handle being challenged and if i was a cop i'd be really pissed off because i would too yeah i would take it as like no i can hold my own and i can handle interacting with the people i'm here to protect and serve i think it's on their fucking cars we would be really bad cops though because if i was a cop i would also want to get rid of all the bad cops because just workplace experience you know the weakest link holds everyone on the team back yep it's so true but that's just the reality. So we can move on from that because nothing happened with it. They just used it to hype up their base to show them that they were protecting our delicate snowflake police officers, which police officers, I really don't see you that way. But apparently that's what our state legislator is telling me you are. Yeah, apparently we just wanted a lot of negative attention focused at our uh, state once again, because yeah. last year wasn't enough. Yeah, we got we got to keep it negative. We yeah. got Mitch McConnell running the show, man. Oh, that brings us to Senate Bill 228. The Daniel Cameron needs a babysitter bill. Yes, the we don't know how to promote someone that has no skills, so we're just going to make a law for it. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, so basically, we. I mean, I've heard rumors that Mitch McConnell is dying. I've heard rumors that his wife's about to get in some shit, and so he's trying to plan his escape route out of senate um for either reason you know nature take its course and do what it's got to do well i mean his hands are turning black and they're afraid the police are going to attack him so they put a law that basically 
would so if Mitch retired or quit or died, um, they would give the governor a list from the party that the senator was from and a list from the people in the state house. It's so complicated. Um, and then the governor can pick between the list. So it's kind of like instead of like a normal world where the governor appoints because elections have consequences. And if you get a Democratic governor, they get to appoint the senator if one quits or retires or dies or whatever. Um, so now we don't allow that. We will give him a list from the party that the retired or leaving senator is from. And then we get to pick from that. Or the governor gets to pick from that list, which is the most absurd, asinine thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, and it's not needed because we didn't need it when Bevan was governor. Uh, so it's just another power grab for Bashir, or to take away power from Bashir. Right. Um, it passed both chambers. It was vetoed by Bashir, and it was uh, overrode. So it yeah. will become law. Yeah. So that that's the reality. Yeah. And I don't think there's much we can do about it. Yeah, the one we're waiting on is uh, uh, House Bill 563, which started as uh, as one school bill. And then turned into a school choice voucher program. Yep. Uh, so that one was vetoed by Bashir. Um, as of today, we're still waiting to see if. No, it got they... overrode. Oh, it, it did? overrode last night. Yeah. Damn. All right. Yeah. So it is, it is, uh, it, it's law. I know someone asked me and I was like, it got overrode, like along with many others. And they're like, are you sure? And then I screen grabbed it. Let me make sure on 329, 21. Uh, veto overridden by 51 to 42 in the Senate. Damn. Okay. And 23 to 14 in the House. So I think that was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Things have been going so quickly in Kentucky. Yeah. And I have no concept of time as it is. So it's been even a double whammy. Um, so no, I think out of like the 24 or something vetoes or there were 27 vetoes maybe and 24 of them, they overrode. I don't know which three they didn't override. So um, almost all the bad shit got through. And then there was a bunch of good shit that we could have had. Uh, it, it, what drives me crazy is, is how popular some bills will be in the <laughs> house and unable to get through the Senate Yeah, with bipartisan support, you know, and, right. uh, like the conversion therapy bill which has Republican co-sponsors on it. Yeah. You know, I, I wonder how much of that is also just like politicking. You know what I mean? Like if you know, it's not going to pass the Senate, it's way easier to be courageous and say you're cool with it in the house. And you know, all of them have these conversations. And so like, if you know that your constituents are on the fence about it and it's not like a hot topic issue, it's, it's easier to be quote unquote courageous and stand up against your party on a bill when you know the Senate's going to shut that shit down anyway. That's true. I was also surprised that House Bill 367 didn't go through, which uh, opened unemployment offices in areas with a high unemployment rate. It passed 98 to zero and didn't even go to vote in the Senate. That's insane, especially yeah. when there's so many complaints about how Bashir's handled unemployment. Mm -hmm. It seems like if, if they were going to fix it, you can't complain about them exactly right we can't fix our problems because we need to have something to hate andy Bashir over because andy Bashir is like a god he's really hard to hate like he's so nice he's so sweet and adorable and like his dog's really cute and his wife's really cute so it's hard to hate him so if 
he's hard to hate, then just destroy him in every other way that you can. That is extremely fair. Was there uh, any bill that didn't go through that you were uh, sad about? Like hundreds of them. Because <laughs> to Democrats' credit, instead of just leaning back and realizing that they were in a super minority, they just kept hitting them with bill after bill after bill after bill. Um, I only know of two good bills that got passed, but we can talk about some of the good ones that could have got passed. To your point, um, we did have the uh, the unemployment bill that just got ignored. Um, we also had bills that um, protected people from being evicted through the pandemic yeah. um, that were completely ignored. Um, we had, let's see, Senate Bill 83, which would protect um, people on the gender or uh, sexual spectrum from being discriminated against in healthcare. So, and that one blows my mind. Yes, I don't, and I guess I guess there was also House Bill 19 and Senate Bill 30 were the same um, because it would. Um, that was a conversion therapy one. Oh, that was a conversion therapy. Yeah. We covered that one. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, we could have stopped discrimination of people in the healthcare industry, which is vital because we have to accept our new world, which is people are allowed to be themselves. And that may mean they don't fit in the perfect mold that we would have had in 1950. But now we aren't protecting people and allowing them to be their full selves because if they do, they could potentially be denied healthcare, which is just absurd. It's bullshit. And it, actually going back to the conversion therapy bill, I just wanted to shout out uh, Tanner Mobley and that entire team that was helping yes. move that bill through the house and the Senate. It kind of touches back in our conversation about activism and how it ties into politics and how you mm -hmm. need both sides of it. And they have done just so much work. They've gotten so many Republicans on board. And even though it didn't go through, the conversation is happening. And I'm just so appreciative to them. Yeah. And I think the conversation is the most important part. Um, you know, we have a local uh, coffee shop, Carabella Coffee, here in Newport, um, Kentucky. And I had been having some meetings there. And someone in the LGBTQ youth community reached out to me and just said, you know, I saw you at this coffee shop and you need to know this about the, you know, the coffee shop owners. And so they told me that the owners of the coffee shop were pro conversion therapy. Now me being me, I'm like, well, I can't just trust, you know, some 17 year old, I need to like look into it, but how the hell do you find out that kind of thing? Yeah. And so I just called them. <laughs> I just picked up the phone. I called and I asked to talk to the owners. Um, they were out of town, so it took a while for them to follow up, but they did. And it was really interesting because they they were active. I think one of them was a minister or something. I don't know what they're called. He did something important at a church. And I forget the name of the church, like Life Promise or something. Um, and they specialize in pairing gay people with straight people so that way they can have, quote unquote, normal lives. Um, and they also participate in conver conversion therapy because, and it was interesting talking to them because they genuinely could not wrap their head around why conversion therapy was bad. And they even said, look, if someone comes to me and says, my, 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 my brain's telling me I'm a woman, but I'm in a man's body. 
and I want to be a man, why can't I help them stay being a man and help them close that door that's telling them that they're a woman? Like they could not understand why that would be bad. They actually saw it as a civil service. Like this person is a man, their brain's telling them that they're a woman, but they want to be a man and they want to get married and they want to have kids and have a quote unquote normal life, a normal Christian life. And they were super sweet, super positive people, very open to the discussion. And I could not get through to them. And so I guess, like I explained to them, if someone comes to you and says, I want to do conversion therapy, you should say, it increases your risk of suicide. It increases the risk of those around you of suicide. It increases the risk, you know, like you need to tell them the downside of what they're trying to do also. Well, they should also try to figure out why this person wants conversion therapy because 99% of the time it's because of Christians and family members and people around them that are telling them (laughs) being trans is horrible and and, it's shame. Yeah. Like they're the ones that are causing these people to have, this extreme anxiety and shame and fear of living their true self. Right. So they're, they want to put themselves into these dangerous fucking situations. And it just, yeah. And, and churches oh. like the one that they were part of. And I'm, they did say they still donate to the church from personal funds, not from the coffee shop. And they also said they wanted to, but be they make their personal money from the coffee shop. <laughs> I know when they said it, I'm just like, but your income is yeah. from one place. <laughs> um, but they did say they wanted their shop to be inclusive and everyone's welcomed. And I think they, I think they mean it. Like, I don't think they hate gay people. I don't think they hate trans people. Yeah. I just think they're completely ignorant to the, the negative impact they have just by having that church there is what is pushing the shame onto these people to come to them to help them get rid of the shame. Like, mm-hmm. but the shame's coming from there. Like if that did not exist, there'd be less shame about how they feel inside. Exactly. So anyhow, that was a tangent, but I agree. Like like religion I'm, ruins everything. It, it really does. I don't know if it's religion or the church. I think it's more the church because yeah, I would, I would side with both, but I have learned that there are some progressive churches popping up around here. And that's really exciting because I think personally, people of faith have the opportunity now to reclaim their religion from Republicans and make it a big tent thing. I mean, what did I read for the first time in American history? Um, Only 40% of Americans identified as Christian or religious in any way, which is like, Mm -hmm. means like religions going down real quick here in the United States. But I think a lot of it has to do with how it's been branded um well this uh this talk of religion is a good segue into our the last thing that we have to talk about which will take 30 seconds because it's the good bills that were passed right (laughs) but they're both related to our personal angel yes representative colonel rachel motherfucking roberts yes who was badass and had her first i think i mean she sponsored it 100 percent I mean, well, she had co-sponsors, but it was her first law that got signed into law last night or at some point. In the, I have no concept of time, people. But like in the last 24 hours or something. Um, so, yes. And it was HB 81, I think. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it, uh, it made it illegal for police officers to have any kind of sexual conduct with, um, people that had been detained or were in police custody for some reason. Um, and so she vetted this. She actually talked about it on our episode for those yes. that want to hear more about it. Um, but it passed and it got signed into law by the governor and she got to get an awesome picture with the governor. It was her first bill. It was super exciting for her fan club members oh. like us. <laughs> we are so proud of her. Oh my God. It, like when I saw it, like my heart like exploded with excitement for her because again, these legislators have been through hell. Absolutely. And, uh, and you know, their main job right now is just playing defense. It's trying to stop right. bad bills from going through. So it's so incredible when a good one, you know, gets all the way through the system. Yep. No. And she had bipartisan support. She did it the right way. It was well-researched. It was well-written. Um, so kudos to Representative Roberts for, yes, uh, for getting something passed, even though you're, you're in the minority and you, you still, you still did the hard work. The other good bill, Missy, do you want to talk? Was it HB 95? Yeah, yeah. House Bill 95, uh, which Rachel was a co-sponsor on. I think Patty Mentor headed that one up. Mm -hmm. uh, caps the cost of insulin for Kentuckians with state-regulated health insurance. Yes. Um, we, we need this bill so bad. People with diabetes, it's insane what their co-pays are. Their out-of-pocket costs. Uh, and also, I, this always goes back to my favorite subject, Charles Booker. <laughs> Dude, this was a, a giant thing that he talked about, you know, when he made the rounds around the state. And I think it's important that we connect with people over economic issues. Right. And one of them is trying to live paycheck to paycheck and, and taking care of your health. Right. And we've heard Charles say many times when his mom had to choose between dinner and insulin for him. And when he himself has gone, had to be hospitalized because he had a rash in his insulin and yeah. didn't do it right. And not that there is a right way to ration it. You shouldn't have to, but, um, and yeah, there, this, this will impact so many Kentuckians. We have a very unhealthy state. We have a lot of Kentuckians that are diabetic. Um, and that shouldn't be cost prohibitive. Like you should have access to affordable medication. And so, um, this was a, a huge one, another bipartisan bill, um, because it's really hard to argue that someone with, with diabetes should die because they can't afford their insulin. It's absurd. Absolutely. So I just, so much thanks and love to Buddy and Rachel for representing Northern Kentucky down in Frankfurt Woo -woo! and to all the other Democrats just, you know, playing the hard D and trying to, well, that sounds weird, uh, <laughs> for playing, playing pretty decent defense uh, as much as they could as a super minority. Right. No, they, they did a good job. And I think what I applaud them most for, because it's something that I personally always like took pride in, but have found myself weakening on, which is maintaining that head down, work hard, stay focused attitude you have to have when you're in those situations. Um, I, I really don't know how they did it, even though like I profess to be good at it. I just, I don't think I could have handled it. I think yeah. I would have like had like 
I probably would have made the news for like jumping over a desk and strangling someone um, that could have happened. And I'm not a violent person at all. And I would be really easy to fight off. Like I'm not in good shape. So um, well, everyone listening, if you can just do us one favor, uh, jump on Facebook, whatever social media you do, Instagram, Twitter, find, if you have a, a, a democratic state rep, find them, share something about them. Uh, if you, if you are not represented by one, find one around the state that you like. Because yeah. this is, we don't have any elections yeah. this year. We need to get their name recognition up and, you know, make sure that everyone gets reelected next year and we can take back some more seats. Yeah. And I think that's key, right? Is like, if we want you to take anything away from this other than Republicans just shit on the Commonwealth of Kentucky and everyone that lives here, it really is that it's so easy to see the shiny objects of Senate, U.S. Senate. A wife and a mom. And a United States Marine or U.S. congressman or U.S. Yes. like the federal stuff. I know even the governor, all of that is so much sexier than a state house rep. I mean, I, I totally get it. But these are the bills that impact your life the most. If we would have had a Democratic majority, we would have had maternal health bills, over 20 maternal health bills passed. We would have had um, protections for people of color from police officers. We would have had protections from no knock uh, search warrants. We would have had all kinds of expansions in healthcare. We would have had maternity and mental health bills for women. Yes. We would have had so many good things come out of this legislature. Legalized marijuana. Yes, we would have had legalized marijuana talking about a revenue stream. I mean, think about Kentucky becoming the bourbon and weed trail like right there. That's enough revenue to dig us out of their hole. I mean, we really could have done so much. And so people listening, please try to give a fuck about the state house because the state house is getting much more powerful as Republicans see that they aren't winning at the national level, they're going to make more and more of the state house. And guess who draws our redistricting maps? State house. Yep. And so these are the people that will be drawing and gerrymandering our, our, our districts. And so these are the important seats. These are the most important seats, other than at the very, very, very hyper local, like your city council and other like very local offices the state house is really important not just for the state but for the the country as a whole because when you have enough republican led state houses they can do some major damage and we are seeing that start here we have to survive another session before an election so keep your eyes open people state house is where it's at yes and stop oh my god especially here in campbell county Please stop voting for people because you went to high school with them. Like, I am sorry. You went to high school with Will Schroeder. He bought you an ice cream cone at some point. He doesn't even have two L's in his name. This is insane, people. Yes. Like, stop voting for him. I've had so many people like, I cannot believe Will did this to me on on House Bill 563 or yeah, 563. Like, how could he have done this? He went to an independent school. I just, I, and I'm like, you're a Democrat. So you know what? Shit happens in life. You could be friends with someone. It doesn't mean that they're good legislators and it doesn't mean that they're give a fuck about you when they're in Frankfurt. So vote for people based on policy, not the warm fuzzies from 20 fucking years ago. That's right. Yes. And on that note, <laughs> Thank you for letting me have my Will Schroeder rant. I have many more to come, people, in the next year and a half. There'll be many more. 
<laughs> All right. Well, thanks guys for tuning in, but please be sure to engage in the state house. Start thinking about people that should be running or if you want to run or how you're going to help get your state house rep reelected. Like it's time to start having those conversations and start doing yes. that work and start spreading the word on state house reps that you love. Uh, if you have a Democrat in the Senate near you, which is, would be weird because there's not that many of them, uh, show them some love too. Yes. And send them a thank you note. Like they survived this. Yeah. Uh, I know. Right. All right. Peace out, folks. We'll see you soon.